Hi everyone, welcome to a new episode of Food in the Hood. In this episode, Amanda and I continue to discuss Way to Graduate School Part Two. I'd like to make announcement that now you can contact us through Gmail. Our email address is fihpodcast at gmail dot com. You can find the link in the episode description as well. Enjoy the new episode. GPA 就是三点七以上就最好。哦，对呀，对呀，那就很很高了。对呀。呃 ，It's not a lot of people like us. <laughs> Shut up! <laughs> wow, I feel your ego through my screen. <laughs> 哪里？我<笑>、oh, 不是啊，就是 between you and I， 对吧？ Yeah, so、uh, we're gonna continue our topic on way to graduate school part two. Right. So I think previously we talked about grad school in a more general sense, and this week's episode is a little bit more about the nitty gritty details. So about GRE, letters of recommendation, personal statement, just the gritty details that we all have to get through to go to get to、oh, go、yeah. to grad school. Everything seems so straightforward to us, but it should be very helpful for others. <laughs> Definitely, I remember during my process of application, I was very lost because there were so many things. But looking back in retrospect, once you've done it, it looks a lot easier. Oh yeah! So before we start, though, we're gonna we're gonna have some self follow ups and updates of our life. <laughs> yep, as we usually do. Right. So. Ben and I kind of changed our workflow a little bit.、Um, I don't know if you guys noticed because we definitely did, but the audio quality, <laughs> the audio quality since the last episode has been significantly better. Oh yeah, and yeah, I literally on my notes, I literally have a flowchart of how the new、uh, workflow gonna be. <laughs> Oh really? Yeah. Got to work out the steps. Oh yeah. But basically, Ben came up with a different idea because Ben and I were not in the same city. We're actually recording remotely. Hey, if they only listen to episode four, they probably couldn't tell. That's true. If you listen to episode three, though, it it sounded like we were on a phone call. It was pretty bad. Right. But live and learn, right? Mm-hmm. So props to Ben. He's been working hard on all the audio engineering, audio editing. All I do is sit here and talk. So, <laughs> thank but you, Amanda、ben. does listen back though. She gives feedbacks. That's true. Yeah, <laughs> I'm the boss. <laughs> She's the executive producer that signs paper and not her head. Yeah, <laughs> that happened. Yeah.、Um, okay. So- cool. This was well. We're we're recording the weekend right after Thanksgiving, so we were also talking about how lazy throughout the past、um, two three days. Right, right, right. And being lazy also at a time when the、uh, the IFT conference abstract deadline is like four days away, three days away. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. We're just so ready. So. I know.、Um, for those who don't know, IFT abstracts students everywhere. You can submit your research abstract and potentially be chosen to present at IFT nineteen, either as a poster or I guess like a presentation. Yeah,、um, oral presentation. Yeah. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. So deadlines in three days, you said four days. Yeah, but this um, I don't know. By the time you listen to it, it might already been passed. Oh, okay. Yeah, but that's okay. It's just some information for everybody to share. Potentially next mm-hmm. year. Yeah, for those uh, people out there, we're both gonna be in IFT nineteen twenty nineteen June next June in New Orleans. Yes, come find us. Yeah, if you can find us. If you can find giant, us. Giant, giant conference. It's a huge conference, yeah. yes, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Should we begin then? Yeah. I guess it's a pretty short follow-up this week. Because we recorded it last week, too. Yeah, that's true. Uh-huh. All right. Um, so I guess like one thing that students think about during the application process is GRE, TOEFL, transcripts, all the numbers, right? Yeah, you're... you're at first glance, you're just a bunch of numbers. Right. So which one should we talk about first? Let's talk about GRE. Okay. So GRE is kind of the SAT or ACT equivalent for grad school. So it's just a way for grad school to gauge students' ability um, in a standardized way, right? They want to look at your writing ability, your analytical skills, your comprehension skills. And this is just a quick way for universities to gauge that mm-hmm. irrespective of your previous institution so yeah there are three parts of gre what do you call it? a reading a math and a writing it's how i there, there's like more official names but that's how i call yeah. them <laughs> <laughs> reading math writing sounds about right uh-huh. yeah sounds like my grade school class but yeah sounds mm-hmm. about right um so how important would you say each section is well, <laughs> do you think people look at them equally when um, processing applications and selecting students? So from my limited conversation with a few, uh, say, director of graduate studies, which is the professor who in each department, at least, would have one or each major would have one to kind of look through screening applicants at first. And a sort of a common answer that I've heard was that there is a threshold for writing. Uh, Maybe I think it was a 3.5 or 4 out of 6. Right. Was uh, was a way that people judging your readiness to uh, scientific writing or just in general uh, emails, whatever, uh, memos, writing skills. Right. Mm Mm-hmm. And also, I think at least for food science, people do care about your math, your quantitative skills. And that serves as an indicator to some of your basically math and science ability mm-hmm. and some stats. Because I think the math, is, the math test is a little different than the traditional college math because it has a lot of statistics in it. Right, right, which is very essential if you're conducting research and whatnot. I think that's a basic pool of knowledge they want you to have. Yeah, yeah, sure. and it also has, you know, those discrete math problems, like combinations, uh, what do you call that, permutation? Com- what, what? Oh, computations and permutations. But yeah, I permutations, <laughs> yeah, 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 right, right, the, the exponential little thing. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know those are those are probably the hard questions. Yeah. On yeah. the on the test, yeah. 
I think it's a lot of logical reasoning in that sense. It's not so much you need to know like calculus and linear algebra, but it's just they want you to have they want you to have strong critical thinking skills, and part of how they evaluate that is probably through the quantitative section. Oh yeah, those tend to go hand in hand, right? Like you said. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I guess reading is also important because you're going to be reading journal articles all day, every day. Oh yeah. In the morning, at night, all the time. Yeah, you dream about your favorite you dream about author. Journal articles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I would say don't be scared of GRE. It's not so much that you have to be great. It's so much that they want you to have like a baseline level of all these skills. It's not something that's gonna make your application, but it could break your application if it's not at a certain level, right? Exactly. Yeah, that's that's a good way to put it. Yeah. And and actually, I think this was maybe a few weeks ago. An article showed up on my Twitter feed. What is it? It was pretty big of a cohort study on how GRE score has no effect of STEM students graduation rate. Oh really? <laughs> yeah, among U.S. citizens and I think permanent residents. So, so, so there's some subgrouping there mm-hmm. going on. But so they were saying how you know female student might have a better score in general, or there there was we can link that paper actually. I think it's a open access paper, so people can browse it through. There's some interesting points. Mm-hmm. Huh. That's really cool. Yeah. But it doesn't mean that GRE is going away. Right. It's not going away because people, I think, like, even though it's just three numbers, it's a it's a quick and easy way for universities to gauge where you're at with these core skills. So it's here to stay for mm-hmm. sure. And it doesn't really matter for too much of that high score mm-hmm. that you get. But if you can get, say, for the math part, if you get a perfect score of it, it definitely still stands out. Yeah, I mean, it will raise a few eyebrows for sure. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Or yeah. You, you score like a five on your writing. People right, might, right, right. might think, yeah, you're, you're really good at writing. Right, right, right. And these mm-hmm. scores might not really make sense until you look at sort of the percentile. Oh, yeah, um, right, right, scores. right. So uh-huh. oftentimes when you fill out applications, I remember some applications I filled out, they didn't even ask for the score. They just ask for the percentile. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Because that's an absolute skill. Right. That's what really matters. Right. Uh-huh. So, yeah. yeah I think that's GRE. How about, uh, so for some international applicants, you might be required to submit a TOEFL score? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So TOEFL, what does this stand for? Test of English, English foreign something, language. Something, something. Oh yeah, test of English as a foreign language. Yep. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, TOEFL has four different sections, right? Reading, uh, writing, listening, speaking. Pro- I've never taken it, so you might know yeah. more than me. Yeah. Right. I've taken it when I was in high school. Right. Uh huh. Yeah. So the four sections, I think, weighs the same point, and that does come with uh so that score is an absolute scale from zero to i think 100 or 120 mm-hmm. yeah so it it's it's very comprehensive of your language ability right 
and it mimics a lot of the college discussion or college classroom scenarios. Like it would play. I remember from the listening, this、mm-hmm. was very interesting. Like it would play basically a recording of a lecture discussion. Right. Say it would be on like GMO food. Yeah, and the professor would be like, "Hey, there are two point of views of GMO food," and the 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 recording kind of lays out which one is which, and in your questions it will ask you which one is which, and also there's some weird, not like weird, but some kind of like tone questions related、right. to tones. It'd be like, "Oh, when the professor discussed about the negative effect of GMO." Like she or he sounded sarcastic, or he sounded some,、uh, somewhat cynical、okay. on、okay. on these、that's, topics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's interesting. I've never taken it, so I didn't know. But okay, right, right, right.、Okay. But there's but there's some, some、uh, more、uh, what do you say rhetorical questions on there. Ah,、huh. yeah, so yeah. So I yeah. guess it's just trying to gauge your ability to use the English language in various ways, but also like、oh, yeah. in a professional academic setting as well. Yeah, yeah. Some of the readings are, you know, technical about, and the topics can be anything. I think. Right. I read a lot of psychology, just little excerpts of paper. So that's the the reading part is mimicking, sort of a college textbook. Right. Right. Uh huh. So would you say like it in that sense is pretty similar? Well, it's different, but also similar to the GRE in trying to gauge. Mm-hmm. Maybe the readings are or the writings are simpler because、mm-hmm. it doesn't orientate towards just graduate level students. Right, right.、Uh, the prompts are maybe a little bit easier to to answer for those writing questions. And just to give a little bit of context, so TOEFL, like Ben said, is an English language proficiency exam. So, for people who are applying to grad school in the United States and perhaps in some other English-speaking countries as well,、uh, TOEFL is required for certain people. So, for Ben and I, since we both did undergrad in U.S., we were exempt from having to take TOEFL. Yeah,、But、that's true. People who are not people who did their undergrad somewhere else in a non-English-speaking country, maybe. Or people who are not citizens or permanent residents of the United States,、um, they might be required to take TOEFL. So this is、oh, yeah. on a case by case basis.、Mm-hmm. And I think TOEFL it's again a threshold.、Um, you have to pass certain threshold for TOEFL, right? And that was even more straightforward because、mm-hmm. yeah. it it basically decides the language ability of the person. Exactly, and based on the current system of most graduate school application process, you don't really get an in-person interview.、Mm-hmm. Uh, not until very late in the process. So this、right. would be another way to screen people's、uh, English ability if、uh, if they're from overseas, straight from overseas.、Mm-hmm. And I、mm-hmm. just want to point out because some、um, when Ben and I talked about GRE percentile score. And how you kind of just need to hit a baseline level. We're talking about GRE, and that's specific to food science and to our programs. Because from what I know, some top graduate programs might expect a much higher score. Some of the very competitive ones.、Um, yeah, well, well, for food science, I think the golden standard is just if you pass both fifty percentile, you're you're fine. 
Yeah, I I would say to be safe, try to get into the seventy fifth percentile, but you don't need to be at like the ninety ninth percentile. But for some uh-huh. other programs, um, oh I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, well, you, know, you can easily find or at least have some kind of reference from the department website. Exactly. So the, just look into the specific graduate program because I know Purdue, I believe, actually lists their minimum requirements for GRE. Um, Which is so, probably just the fifty percentile. I think it, I think so. I think it was around the fiftieth percentile. Yeah. So these two are the standardized tests, the GRE and the TOEFL tests. But we also get G, uh, GPA in there. Yeah. See so a grade point average. <laughs> yeah, and this is university dependent. Yes, for sure. <laughs> um, I think you know. If you're if you have a good GPA, three point five and above, three point seven, three point eight, like that's always good. Um, oh, for sure, yeah. I just feel like with these things, you know, you can have outstanding numbers, but if you have no research experience, that can be a little bit. So these things work very synergistically. There's no one thing that will guarantee that you'll get into a good school or anything. So mm-hmm, that's they work in tandem with each other. Yeah, 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 and I think. Like your GPA is also depends on your your transcripts. So GPA is uh is related to your transcript, right? It's because of each class that you take and each grade you get from those classes that accumulate right. to your final graduating GPA. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that really depends on what classes you take. Oh yeah, for sure. Depends on where you go for undergrad, what classes you take, <laughs> all of those stuff. Right, right, right. And I think for food science, several classes are required. Maybe uh, calculus required, uh, chemistry up to organic chemistry lab. I think you have to take at least a biochem class, right? Right, I, I believe so. There's a couple of requirements there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So mostly oriented towards the chemistry and biochemistry classes. You have to at least have some of those exposures if you're interested in、uh, food science. Right. And one semester of microbiology. Ah, micro. <laughs> <laughs> I love micro, kind、yeah. of, <laughs> but not that much. <laughs> okay, that that's going into the final cut for sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Right, so classes are important, and you definitely want your official transcript and get it from the school. Send it directly to the your graduate school that you're interested in. Right, definitely don't forget this part. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, and、uh, in terms of GPA, really, I think three point oh is a hard cut for most programs.、Mm-hmm. If you don't have an average of a B. For your at least your overall GPA, it can create some problems. Yeah,、uh, it's not going to reflect on you well. Right, but we're going to talk about some of the、uh, supplemental materials that you can add, and that can、uh, hopefully help you to、uh, justify some of these scores on your、uh, or some some of the maybe your GRE score or even your GPAs. Right, definitely.、Mm-hmm. We'll get to that part.、Um, yep. Should we move on to letters of recommendation? Sure. So I think for every grad school application, 
you would typically be required to submit two to three letters of recommendation and sometimes more. Yeah, um, I think three is the standard. I've, I've only three. done three. Yeah, I think three is pretty standard. Um, so for you, Ben, did you get it from a variety of different people? Did you only get it from professors? Did you get it from previous employers? Who did you ask for your letters of rec? Oh, I just did profs for, for my, okay. from my college, yeah. I think that's typically what people do too. Yeah, what did you, did you get any from um, outside? I think I got, I believe I got two from professors and one from my previous employer. Did you um, get one from Alex? Wait, who's Alex? Oh no, no, I didn't get it from Alex Clifford. No. Oh. <laughs> I got it. <laughs> no. <laughs> I know. I mean, like, I got it from um, a previous employer, from my past manager at a food place that I interned at over one summer. Oh, yeah, 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 so right. Uh huh. I got it from her, and then I got it from a professor that I was doing research with at that time. And then I got it from another professor who, um, I didn't do research with her. I got it from Pam, actually, I think. Okay. But um, she knew me a lot in person. Like, she, she knew me. I was taking her classes. We've talked a little bit. So I felt that she knew me well enough to write me a letter of recommendation. And she was actually the one who suggested I go to grad school. So because of that, I thought she was a very suitable candidate. You know, not only was she willing to help me write one, she knew me in various capacities that I felt she could write me a strong letter. Oh, yeah. So um, I feel it's always tricky to find your um, people to recommend you or your reference. Mm -hmm. Definitely. So how I found mine was one, I'm trying to think who I got it from. You got it from um, the Apple person. Oh right? yeah, yeah, right, right. So, so okay. So the first one is from uh, the lab that I worked for three years, and that PI wrote me a, rec a letter of rec, and that's kind of natural because she was helping me to get through some of these graduate application stuff too, mm -hmm. and she definitely uh, wants to uh, me to go to graduate school and want to help me to go to places that fits me the best right and so so if you can find someone that gets sends these kind of signals or have done other favors for you in terms of your graduate school application like pam for yeah, amanda yeah those are definitely good people to f choose for a uh letters of rec right these people want to see you succeed and they're i guess in some way invested in your future you know, so they're definitely a good option because they will put the effort in and write a really good letter for you. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I got one from Gary. Uh, oh, me too. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Who uh, definitely has the fame, the academic fame. And, and, and actually, when I went to interview, people recognize his name and yeah, you know, like, ask yeah. me about how he's doing. I know right. that, <laughs> um, but but yeah. So so if you can find another professor who my you you have been in class with and maybe had some interactions, uh, other than being in the classroom, maybe went to some office hours or got some um, you know other interactions, maybe did a little project with them. 
those are really going to be helpful to to see different aspect of you. Exactly right, because you get three people, so you can showcase maybe research wise that uh, you're a strong participant,、um, but also maybe in other aspects of you know maybe you're very involved with the food science club and. Your advisor can speak to that, so those help. You really help give dimension to your application.、Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And, and also, oh no, go ahead. And、um, oh, are, are you still gonna talk about the reference people? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Go ahead. I'm gonna switch gear to like the content. Oh, okay. So another thing I want to say is to start early. Right, you don't want to go into senior year without knowing any of your professors, and then suddenly hit them up and be like,、um, "Hey, sir, can you write me a letter?" <laughs> and they're like, "Who are you again?" Right, right, right.、Um, so I think definitely, even when you're a freshman, sophomore, if you're starting out early, go to your professor's office hours,、um, ask questions in class, try to get into the forefront of their mind, and. What, yes, it's gonna help with your application when you need their letters of recommendation later on down the road. But also, professors are really interesting people. You know, they spend nah, a good chunk of, of their life. Well, some of them. <laughs> <laughs> I would say most of them.、Okay. They spend a good chunk of their time studying a very specific subject.、Um, they've been in academia long enough, and I think a lot of them have interesting stories or insights to share. And a lot of professors go into Um, academia because they like and enjoy working with students. So look out for those professors and try to definitely get in touch with them.、Um, there's also professors who are just in it for the research and don't really want to talk to you, don't really want to interact with students all that much. That's okay too. Just know where to look、um, and start scanning early because these connections are going to be very helpful later on. Oh yeah. So I'm going to add to getting early through another aspect. Is when you actually decide to submit your application, give enough time for your、uh, reference people to complete letters. Yep. Do not、um, say the application is due January first, and you're knocking on doors on like December twenty sixth, like the day after Christmas, and start <laughs> with, "Hey, can you write me a letter?" No, don't be that person. <laughs> right, you're right, gonna right. get a bad letter. You're gonna be like this student. Has no time management. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe maybe just a very generic letter. That's what I would yeah, think. Yeah, yeah. Just be what it is. Right.、Mm-hmm. And、uh, I'm gonna also add on to this about you need to be certainly you're not the author of these letters. You're asking a favor from someone who are more senior than you and who have done who have guided you through your. Uh, say college experience, but you still want to kind of shape each letter for、right. your favor, and these are not just blank shot that you just throw away and you just kind of like okay I'll let well, professor who and who likes me so he or she could do a good job. Give as much detail of what you want them to say about you. Right, and I would like to echo this point and say that. Um, it's not so much you're telling them what to write, but professors are very busy people. They have a lot of students, and even though they might remember you, they might not remember every interaction they've had with you, or what you've done, or what you've accomplished. 
So one good thing to do is I always write them a really short, well, not really short. <laughs> Sometimes long. I write long. them an email of a few bullet points of things that uh, I think could really work well in the letter, just to kind of remind them this is what I did. And oh, whether yeah. they choose to use it or not, that's up to their discretion. But what I'm doing here is just reminding them this is what I did. This is what, you know, these are the conversations we've had, etc. And that yeah, can yeah, really yeah. help jog their memory just to help them remember interactions mm-hmm. they've had with you. Yeah, this is for sure very important. And for different professors, you can give a different list of highlights. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh-huh. And each highlight, you could... Maybe both of the professors know that you did some kind of research, but one is your mentor, one is sort of your, say, your academic advisor for Mm -hmm. course registration. So definitely highlight the research point with the professor who you did research with. And that really can help out to highlight the points that really shines on their heart about you. Mm -hmm. And that could... um, again articulate with your overall image as application package yeah because there's also your grades in there we talk about and there's also a personal statement your resume and other supplemental material all these should be a coherent story you don't want just always going to highlight say that you did one undergraduate project uh on something and all the people all the story was centered around that project, which is cool, but you want to give them diversity. You want to give the application reviewer some diversity of really to know you more than just more. You, you want to shine through more than just one point. Let's right, say. right, right, right. I would also like to add, well, I agree with that. And I think when it comes to college undergrad applications, a lot of time they look at the holistic package. I'd also like to say that grad school, though, it's it's a little bit different in the sense that, you know, if you're a great researcher, you have had a lot of publications, you're really good at a certain field, and you apply to that field, sometimes your excellent track record of research can cover up a bad personal statement in that sense. Like, obviously, it's always nice to have well-rounded applicants, but I, I also think that when it comes to the level of grad school and PhD, having expertise in one area and being very, very good at that is also something that people look out for. Like oh, yeah, for sure. Committee. Right. Mm-hmm. But if you're an yeah, undergrad yeah. and you barely have a lot of, you don't have that much um, you ha- you don't have that much of a research experience, then definitely you could highlight different parts of um, your undergrad career that could really help during your application, like Ben says. Right, and definitely you're not just um, say that you're you you you're not a package yet. Right. Like on day one, when you step into a department, no one thinks that you're a complete package that knows right. how the lab runs, how classes are classes content whatever all these how the system works in graduate school mm-hmm. that's uh, no one expects you to know all of these oh yeah but you have to show that you have the potential oh for sure i think that's a very good point too for including things not related to research if you can show that you are capable in other areas you can bring that skill set to research as well right mm-hmm. and i think that's yeah, a yeah, really yeah. important point to keep 
when you start off in grad school, you're not expected to be a star researcher. So I feel like a lot of people that I've talked to during the application process might feel overly intimidated. They're like, oh shit, I don't have like, I don't have like five publications. I'm not a great researcher. I don't know how to do this or that. And that's completely、mm-hmm. okay. It's a learning process for sure. Don't psych yourself out during the application process. And stress yourself out too much because you're not at that level yet. Like that's something that people are constantly working towards. You know, even PhD students and postdocs, they don't know、mm-hmm. everything yet. And everyone that that's that's the thing in academia, we're always trying to learn more, right? It's a continuous yeah yeah process, right. It, so it's a process, and especially I think we're gonna tie it back to the letters of rack is that. You want to paint different pictures for yourself, right? You have more than just one angle. Yeah. And use these angles to tell the story that you might not be ready as a independent research yet. And the logic is that that's why you go to graduate school. Right. But you have to let not only you or your grade or your experience, but also your reference people. To tell the story that you have the potential of getting there, and not only you, but people who have more expense, more experience in research, also thinks that you can get there.、Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's completely true.、Um, and I guess that gives us a little nice segue into the personal statement, which also is another opportunity to tell a story. And、oh, I, yeah. before we go into that, I just want to say like this whole letter of recommendation, personal statement, and all of this focus is very centric to U.S. universities. I've had friends apply to European University where there is a lot less emphasis on the personal statement,、um, but U.S. admission committees are typically, I think, more holistic in general compared to some other countries. So the personal、mm-hmm. statement also plays a huge role here. <laughs> I remember、mm-hmm. UC Davis. <laughs> I hate they.、Okay. They made you answer like five different questions, each with their own little essay or something. Oh right. And it's okay. Like, wow. 